Welcome. Here at Waterstone, we focus on living and loving like Jesus. In practice, this means that we connect with one another, engage in justice, and serve sacrificially. We are so glad that you're here and invite you to join us in person. If you're able to attend weekend services, we're gathering this summer on Saturdays at 5.30 and Sundays for one service at 10. Come early for a light breakfast at 9.15. We look forward to connecting with you. Can I have a little less light? Because I can't see my notes. Sorry. Hi. Um, <laughs> when Larry asked me to do this sermon, he wanted me to tell my story of singleness in the church. Um, the, the Waterstone administration believes that about a third of our congregation is single, whether it's never married, divorced, or widowed. Ah, that's much better. I can see you. Oh, no. I can't see. <laughs> um, anyway, I fall into the never married category. Um, as an elder, I have a vision for, I love Waterstone, and I have a vision for us to have community where everyone feels seen and heard. And in, in creating a community in this lonely world, that means that we have, everyone has someone in this congregation that knows them as family, that, that knows their story. And, um, and so that's my vision. I know it's kind of a vast vision, but that's where I'm going. I'm going to tell you some of my story um, of in the church, and some of it isn't very pretty, to be honest. Um, but also what we can do, I'll end with some of the things we can do as a congregation that my hope is so that um, in six months, we'll have some people say, I do feel like I'm connected here and that I have found connection um, here at Waterstone. So before I get into my story, I'm gonna I need to give you a little background. I was born to a Nicaraguan mother and a, um, a Spanish father in um, New York City, the oldest of four children, two boys and two girls. You can see us there. Um, love those uh, matching outfits. My mother was actually a great seamstress, and so until I was out of college, I never bought a dress because my mother always sewed them for me. Um, <clears throat> we spoke only Spanish at home until I went to kindergarten, and then we moved to English, and then Spanish was only heard when um, we had get-togethers because my grandmothers never um, really spoke English. Um, I grew up in suburban New Jersey. You'll hear it in my, some of the words I use. People will be like, wait a minute. Um, anyway, and it was kind of lots of neighborhood kids, ice skating, sledding, playing softball, biking, um, swimming. It was kind of an idyllic childhood. I went to um, school in upstate New York. I left New Jersey to go to RPI, which is uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York. And it was there that I came to know the Lord. Because oh, I should say my family is, was culturally Catholic. And so I had done all the um, <clears throat> things that you do. Um, I can't even think of the word right now. Confirmation, thank you. Um, anyway, I had uh, <laughs> done that, but I was like, you know what? I feel hypocritical. I, I, I say thank you to God on Sundays, and then the rest of the week, I don't really think about him. And part of wanting to live fully, either God is who he is or he isn't, and um, I decided he was who he said he was in his word, and I'm grateful for that. And um, so came to know the Lord there, and um, then moved to Colorado in 92 um, through the Lord's leading, um, I've been here ever since except for five years where I taught at Regent University in Virginia Beach. And then, um, as Larry sometimes says, he calls going to Massachusetts as his missionary uh, journey. Well, I went out to Virginia. Sorry if anybody's here from Virginia. I was very happy to come back to Colorado. Um, <laughs> um, I 
And, and, that's, and so then that's where I found um, Waterstone. And part of the thing that drew me to Waterstone was the Justice in Action class. Um, back in, that de in the day, um, Mary Kay's, which I saw her walking in, um, would, would run the Justice in Action class, and it was so good to be able to look at social issues through the lens of scripture and seeing what being challenged and what I can do to improve and just kind of bring God into, into our, the social issues of the day. Um, because this series is on finding connection, how do we embody that vision as, as, a, as a congregation? I think we need to know what one-third of our congregation is experiencing. So I'm going to start with telling you some things that have been said to me as a single. First, why aren't you married? Um, why aren't you single? It could be the answer, right? <laughs> um, but we never hear that, right? Um, I know a single Christian guy, and I'm going to introduce you. Do I really want that? I don't know. Okay. Um, oh. I know why you're single, you have father issues. Um, you need to play dumb because um, guys don't want a woman to be more, more intelligent than them. This is how God made me. I, I have to be who, who God has made me to be. Um, the young moms in the church were um, talking and we decided that if we died, we want you to marry our husbands. Now they said that as a compliment. I mean, they, they really did. But I had no say in it, um, or, nor did God, it sounded like. Okay. Um, you, you're too independent. You need to be more needy as a woman. Um, I'd love to have you over for dinner, but then you'd be a third wheel. I'm okay. By the way, one of the things the singles that I've talked to said <laughs> was like, I'm okay being a third wheel. Are you okay with me being a third wheel? Um, I was scheduled to do communion um, one time. And this was at another church, but it could have happened here, I don't know. But anyway, I hope not. Um, and the person that was gonna be serving with me did not show. So I went up to the organizer and I said, I need another person. I'm holding the chalice and the bread. I need another person. He looks at me, he goes, oh my gosh, we need a couple. Grabbed it from me and left me empty handed. And um, I'm telling you, see, it, I still get choked up because at that point I was like, is there a place for singles in ministry in the church if I can't even serve communion. It wasn't even gonna, you know, so anyway. And then one time I was visiting a church and I, I said to one of the elders, I said, can you show me that where your doctrinal statement is? I wanted to know what they believed. And he looked at me, he said, well, if you'll bring your husband, then I'll explain it to you. Okay. I have many more of those stories. I've lived a long life. <laughs> um, but you get the gist. The, the, the message that I, I get and other singles get is that you're not okay the way you are and that if you were partnered, then you would be complete. And it almost feels like the idea of, like, once you're there and you reached the epitome, then you're going to be with us. And until then, we don't know what to do with you. Um, the, the, um, the, you know, we live in a society that, that venerates couples and, and love. I mean, all our songs, movies, books, many of them are all about love, but it's really romantic love. And, and um, anyway, I, I, so I said, well, you know what? What, is, what, are, what are some Christian books on singleness? And so I started looking good old Amazon, right, and Google. And I, thank God I did find a spectrum, but sadly I found more in this realm. Here's one title. Not yet married, the pursuit of joy and singleness. Do so you hear that? Like, 
you're only single until, you, you know, until the Mr. Right comes along. Oh, well, the next one. Lady in waiting. <laughs> waiting for God's, uh, becoming the woman of God so that Mr., until Mr. Right comes along. We're waiting for Mr. Right. Okay. Um, but then there was one on kingdom single and saying, you are complete and fully free. And I was like, yes, I am. Um, anyway. And so I can't even go to the grocery store without getting messages about that. Look what I saw the other day at King Supers. Oops. I should have. Okay, can, I don't know if you can see that. It says um, the, the bananas that are single that have fallen off the batch. It says, pick me, I'm single. Pick me, pick me, and I want to be part of the group. Um, and I, was, I saw that, and I was like, I've been talking to Danielle. Some of you know Danielle Reeves, and saying, Danielle, it's all over. And she was like, I'm starting to see it. And then I sent her that picture. Anyway, so I thought, well, I can speak about my experience, um, but I don't have the full experience because I've never been um, married or divorced or widowed. And so I decided to start talking to different people in the church, in our church and in other churches, and saying, basically, I said, if you had the opportunity that I have to get before the congregation and talk about singleness, what would you want them to know? And here's some of the, I've tried to summarize, but here's some of the things I heard. First of all, know that we're not all desperate to get married or married again. And so, you know, another way to say that was, I, I like my life the way it is, and I'm not sure I'd be any happier being married. But it feels like that's not okay, that there's something wrong with that vision. Um, sometimes, I feel less than ignored, dismissed at church for not being partnered. Um, I have a rich spiritual life, and I would love to share it in ministry. I love to share it in ministry with others. Singleness has a season. There's times when I do. I'm open to dating, and there's times when there's other things going on, and and I'm working on a degree or I fixing up my house, different things that are happening that I'm. I'm not focused on that. And then one of, the, one of the people said, you know, we need a higher view of singleness. If Jesus and Paul were single and it was okay for them, then it should be okay for me too, right? So um, it made me go look more closely in the scriptures of, and we heard the, the verse from Corinthians, and I'm going to talk about, a little bit about that, but um, of what they say. And Paul talks about singleness as being a gift. And I'm wondering if we treat it as a gift in the, in the messages that I've heard, at least, and, and that others have heard. Um, <clears throat> there's more time to serve the kingdom, yes. And then I, I do want to say, too, about calling, because some people believe that singleness is a calling. I want to say that in my more than five decades, I um, have maybe met three people that felt called to singleness. Um, that really felt called. One was a missionary. He was like, I am going overseas and I'm not going to be distracted. But here's what I'll say. Whether I'm called or not, I woke up single today. And so I'm called to, to live as a single and what God's word says about singleness today. I, um, and I'm probably going to wake up tomorrow being <laughs> single too. And I will do the same thing. And, and should God um, bring someone into my life, that's, then, then I will have the gift of marriage. But, the, the, but both are equal, and I think we tend to do married more than single. Okay, um, let's look at, uh, oh yeah, well Jesus, what did Jesus say? You know, I'm going to leave this for Paul Jocelyn next week, I think. 
um, he's talking on sexuality, because it says, Jesus basically says in Matthew 19, 11, those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom is a good thing. I've chosen to live like a eunuch um, by following God's word. And, and, and it has, you know, there's hard times and good times, but that's, that's life, isn't it? It married, there's great times and there's hard times. So um, can we put up 1 Corinthians? As I'm looking at 1 Corinthians, you know, I'd like you to be free from concern. That's the first thing he says. Um, in this section, there's a lot more to go in and I don't have the time. Um, but an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. Um, an unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Um, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. As I read that, I've seen people separate that, but I think the overarching theme is that we all, I don't care if married, single, um, one leg, it doesn't matter, we should be living devoted, undivided devotion to the Lord. That, 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 that full fellowship, constant talking to the Lord is what our status should be as believers of Jesus. And in there, then we can, I, I as a single, have less distractions. Um, one of my colleagues at Denver Seminary, Craig Blomberg, is an emeritus professor there now, and a New Testament theologian wrote about this passage, and he said, um, the, um, those who choose to wed must not be so preoccupied with their families that they can no longer effectively serve Christ. And so think about that. How, you know, yes, there's distractions, um, but how can we be continued to serve and be in fellowship with Jesus in that time? Um, there is many advantages of being single. I'm going to name some of them in my experience. I have more flexibility in my life um, and availability because I don't have some of the concerns that some of you have at home. Um, recently, a friend of mine had knee surgery, single mom. Her daughter is in um, seventh grade, and she, um, the doctor basically said, you're not going to be able to drive for six weeks or four weeks, I forget what it was. And she had no way to get her daughter to school. And um, as we were talking, I said, well, can I come and, and, and just help you? And she was like, oh my gosh, that would be great. And I had that because for me, I just had to pick up my computer and go. Um, I you know, made sure my plants were watered and left. Well, it was actually January, so I didn't need to water my plants. But anyway. Um, but that, that being able to, I have that ability to be able to do that because I, I, I have unfettered time. I also um, travel a lot. I work with a ministry called Thrive that um, does retreats for women missionaries around the world. And I have had the privilege in my 15 years working with them to um, travel all over. And, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that from China to Ghana to Dubai to Malaysia to um, Portugal, I mean, just all over. Um, and I, I realized, like, I met a friend who, when she was single when we started working with Thrive, and then she um, got married, and she's not been on a trip since. And, and I think, well, she's got the, the uh, concerns at home, as, as Paul talked about. But I'm grateful for that. That's one of my advantages. 
When Paul Joslin talked about parenting um, a couple of weeks ago in this series, he mentioned that 79% of, of kids that are following the faith as an adult have had another adult in their life that had the same faith that was different from their parents. I think singles are perfect for that. Um, I'm grateful um, for... Uh, I have <laughs> four beautiful goddaughters and actually one of them is here supporting me. So thank you, Rachel. And they, um, their family is, uh, their mom is uh, one of my best friends from college. Um, and they even named their oldest daughter after me. But they have treated me like family. And um, for the last 25 years, um, I've been there for Christmas. If you want to know where I've been for Christmas, it's been part of their family and um, being with them, and so I'm grateful, but that's singles, you know, so we can, we can be that. Um, breadth of friendships, I can have a lot of different kinds of friends, and, and as a married, I think you have more depth, I have more breadth as, as a single. Um, <clears throat> I love theater, I love going to the theater. I have, um, for 30 years, been going to um, the Shakespeare Festival with a gal that was in my youth group when she was, in seventh grade, and um, she, she liked Shakespeare, and I was like, oh, I like Shakespeare, and her, her mom and her and I have been going every, every summer since then um, to go to the Shakespeare Festival, and I'm grateful, and we get to catch up on what God's been doing. Um, I have another friends that are a couple that um, have season tickets for the theater downtown, and when I came, I used to go with single friends, but when I moved to Virginia, all of them either got married or moved away. So when I came back, I had no one that was interested in theater. They knew that, and they, they said, would you want to come with us? See, they were okay with me being a third wheel. And um, I have, for the last eight years, oh my gosh, we have so much fun. On the way to the theater, we talk about what's been happening in the last, since we've last seen, shall say, a month, you know, of what God's been doing in our lives. And then on the way back, we get to talk about um, what we thought of the play, who we liked and didn't like, what the, the world view of the play, did, did, did we agree or not agree? Anyway, it's been, I, it's been really grateful, and I'm grateful that they have um, included me as part of that. Um, I have ministry friends, um, people that I've met through doing ministry. Um, every month I have a friends that come for dinner, everyone brings a different part of dinner, and we laugh, we cry, we pray, we encourage, we challenge. Um, it's just kind of that iron sharpens iron kind of relationship. Um, during the pandemic, I got to know my neighbors really well. We used to do a Friday um, afternoon happy hour, bring your drink of choice and your chair, six feet apart, and we would talk to the point that now when I go out for a walk, um, I usually have to plan that I'm going to have at least, if I bump into someone, there's going to be at least 10 to 15 minutes longer that I'm going to be gone because um, we're going to be chatting. And, it's, and I love that. I love that. Um, I have work friends, college friends. Like I told you, my, um, my friends that live up in Fort Collins, Karen, um, and, but other f college friends that I still keep in touch with. And um, <clears throat> I really appreciate that community. Um, especially when I, when I needed them, and that was um, nine years ago when I was um, diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, the doctor basically, can I do a side note and say, if you think it's gross to go get a colonoscopy, it's really grosser to have 12 inches of your colon removed because you didn't do that simple procedure. So please do that. It, it saved my life. Anyway, 
Um, so the doctor says, in two weeks, he's like, you will not work for six weeks, you have to stay home. Well, that's really hard when you live alone. And um, a friend of mine said, oh, don't worry, you can move in with us and I'll take care of you. And I burst into tears because I was like, I just want to be home. And yet that I can't because I can't take care of myself. Um, anyway, by the time I came out of surgery, and I don't know how this happened because I was under anesthesia, but there was a list and for those six weeks, someone stayed with me every day. Um, I had company, and as I got better towards like week four, it was only in the evenings, so if I needed something in the night. But I am so grateful for community, and that's what my, kind of my vision for us, to be able to know one another so that we could be there for one another as needed. Um, I have more time for ministry. Um, I think we can, singles can be mobilized in really unique and beautiful ways if we can think about that. Um, so, think, thinking about what the church needs to consider. Um, <clears throat> this is what some of the singles say they wanted, but really, it's everybody. Um, they want more emotional intimacy, want more connection with people. Um, it's, it's lonely out there, and we, we, we have kind of separated, even though we have internet, it seems like we spend more time on our phones than with others. Um, so wanting emotional intimacy, desire to be valued, respected, seen, and heard. This was some of the things I heard a lot from the singles that I talked to. Can I, you know, I don't want to just be a project. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. But I think that's for everybody. Don't we all want that, that someone knows me? Um, be curious about us, me, and what God is doing in my life. And I would say that I need to be curious about you, too, and what God's doing in your life. Um, spiritually transformational friendships that uh, challenge, that, that point my eyes to Jesus. When I have preconceived ideas, that they challenge that and say, do you see what you're doing that? I don't think that's what God's saying, that I can, I can see God in a fresh light in a true way. Um, and I think we all, I hope, that would help us flourish as a community, that we would all want that. Um, and then to realize that my identity in Christ is trumps my status, my status. I, 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 as a believer and follower of Jesus is my number one status, and um, we can focus on that. What are the things that, some, that the church can do? Wow. Um, well, some of the things that we can be doing is um, celebrating milestones um, with us. Uh, you know, birthdays, especially singles that live alone, birthdays. Um, and then they said, well, you know, we know that we've been to a lot of engagement, baby showers, weddings, um, but can we celebrate, I, I paid off my student loan from undergrad, or I got a new-to-me car, or, um, you know, I, I got into grad school. Um, anyway, things, things that we could celebrate. But, you know, interestingly enough, to, to be able to celebrate, we have to know one another, right? We have to know that that's what's happening in their lives. Um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Asking, inviting people to sit with you, doesn't have to be just singles, but inviting people to sit with you in, you know, in church at, you know, we do the breakfast here. Um, 
this summer in a way for people to build community. Um, I have in the past um, sat down at tape, you know, first of all, just know it's really hard to walk in sometimes when you're alone, like, where am I gonna sit, okay? And I have been like, okay, I can do this. Lord, you and I, we're gonna, we're gonna go and sit down. And um, sadly, more than once, I have sat down with uh, people I don't know and said, hi, my name's Elizabeth. And invariably, within the next minute or two, somebody comes running over, taps them on the shoulder, and says, hey, we've got a seat for you over here, come. And they leave, and I'm sitting alone. So be aware of that. So who's sitting alone? Who isn't there? Some people aren't coming because they don't want to go into a room where they have to come in alone and be able to notice that. Um, <clears throat> create community with um, different ages, different people. I just really think um, if we have community with people that are different from us, I think that's how I grow as a person. So I have, I'm going to mention two of my friends that have helped me grow that way. One is um, a, a millennial, um, so she, uh, she's half my age. Um, she's actually here today to support me, thank you, Bethany. And um, Bethany and I would go walking on Saturday mornings after we met, and it would, we would have these conversations, and I realized how self-aware she was, how she processes life differently than I do. And, and she's very present in the moment, not the future, not the past, but what's happening right now. And that has really challenged me to be able to be in the moment and to say, what is God doing right now in my heart through this? I am so grateful for that. Um, I also have a friend, Carolyn, who has been, um, I'm, I've been her best friend for 25 years. Carolyn and I couldn't be more different intellectually. Carolyn has Down syndrome. And yet, for some reason, um, we've connected, and um, even now, I mean, she calls me every day. We talk almost every day. There's sometimes I can't talk to her. Um, but we, and, and yes, we're very different. When, when we first started getting to know each other, she kept talking about her best friend, Elizabeth, and her parents, um, their friends would be like, oh, it's so nice she found another Down syndrome friend. And they would say, oh, no, no, she's getting her doctorate. And they were like, what? But but do you know that Carolyn, I think this is true of all Down syndrome kids, they know how to love well. And Carolyn loves me unconditionally. And I have learned unconditional love more from her than anybody in my life, consistently. Whether I call her, whether we have fights, we've had fights because she thinks that, you know, something, and she'll be like, we need, to, we need to stop the car right now. You pull over, we need to talk this out. And, um, and we will, because I got to do what she says, but, you know. But man, if we all did that, right? If there was a concern or a, a, a conflict, and instead of avoiding, we just said, let's just talk this out. What a different community we would have, right? Um, you know, uh, Psalm 133.1 talks about how good and perfect it is for um, God's people to live together in unity. That's my vision. That really is my vision. In telling you my stories, that's my vision. Um, Tim Keller has a quote. Tim Keller used to be a pastor at Redeemer um, Pre Presbyterian in New York City. And this comes out of a book on the meaning of marriage, actually. This comes out. Um, and this is his quote, part of the quote. But it says, to be loved and not known is comforting, but superficial. Um, 
if you know me, I mean, if you um, love me, but you don't know me, what's, what's going through my head, right? Well, if you did know all of me, you might not love me. Um, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. Okay, now I've just told you everything about me, and you don't love me. Um, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. And I think that's what we represent in, in, the, in our community. So um, I've given you some examples, and as a takeaway, I, I would say not to put one station above another, um, but that each stage that we're in in life, um, we, those stages change. But in whatever stage we're in, that we realize that, that everyone is respected, valued, and a, a part of the kingdom, a, a, the image of God is in them, and that we could recognize that and support that as we live in community. When I lived in Virginia, um, I had dinner with a friend who said to me, he was talking about his um, church where he lived, and he was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why anybody would go to a different church than the church that I go to. Um, and I was like, wow, that's great. And at the time, I, as I left, I said, I was praying and crying, Lord, I haven't felt that. You know, can, can I find a church like that? And about a year later, I, um, I moved back to um, Colorado, and I found Waterstone. And I can honestly say, I feel that. That this is a place that I can't imagine why people wouldn't come here. Um, and I'm grateful for that. That, um, the, that the, the, the Waterstone community would be more sensitive and understanding to people of all stages of life that worship with us. Um, so that's, that's my vision. Now, it's really easy to, um, to say, this is what we need to do, rah, 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 and then we walk away and we get busy with our lives, right? So an example of that is one of my best friends um, died of breast cancer and left behind a five-year-old and a seven-year-old child. And um, during the funeral, the family was here, and, and people kept coming up to me going, what can we do, what can we do? I'm like, we have tons of food. Um, can you call them in, in three months and ask them how they're doing, invite them to, to go to the park, invite them to dinner? And they're, okay, okay, I'll do that. Do you know how many people did that? Zero. Sadly, no one called, and it was very stressful for the family um, because they were really feeling the impact of that. And so and I know why that happens. I know we get busy with our lives, and it's hard to remember or reach out, it's, and it's, it's more work. Um, so I'm going to say that um, I would love to ask you how your community has expanded or changed or deepened in six months. So if I was here on... on um, January 31st, and I asked you, how has your community changed? I would hope that we would, we would be finding that connection and creating that community with the people that we worship with, that we would have a community of Jesus followers, whether it's single, married, retirees, um, couples with kids, couples without kids, um, pre-engaged couples, um, that we could be a community that loves well, sees one another for who they are, sees God in them, um, respects differences, and enjoys seeing God working in their lives. So thank you, Waterstone.